Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to be speaking to the co-founder of Waze Footwear, Edward Templey. A little information on Waze Footwear. Plastic-free sneakers you and the planet can afford and no compromise, biodegradable, carbon-neutral, natural product. Their ambition is to change the way shoes are manufactured. Their vision is a world of zero-waste shoes. There is a better way of making shoes and it's scalable. It promotes tree planting and works in partnership with a natural carbon cycle. I can't wait to get into this interview, but before we do... Make sure you're checking out menswearstyle.co.uk. That's where we put all the show notes and other articles that you'll find daily free content going on there. Let's get into it, shall we? Here's that interview with Edward Templey, co-founder of Waze Footwear. Well, it's my great pleasure to introduce Edward Templey, co-founder of Waze Footwear to the podcast. How are you doing today, Edward? Uh, really good. Calling to you from one half of Ways HQ, which is down in sunny Devon. And yeah, sun's out. There's some surf later, so I'm going to yeah, do the podcast and then get in the water. Nice, nice. Is this a regular routine? One of the reasons why you run your own company, I think, is so that you can manage your own time. And yeah, get in the water as much as possible, both here and in our other base in Porto. So right. Damien, Damien's just... Um, a few minutes from the sea so his sea is a bit warmer and a little bit more consistent not that i'm jealous now what are the risks the only reason why i wouldn't take up surfing or one of the many reasons is because of sharks i've got a innate fear of being eaten alive got no interest in that what are the risk elements of surfing down near devon the risk elements of surfing down in devon are predominantly entitled suv drivers riding (laughs) surfboards um uh, crowds the aforementioned crowds yeah that's pretty much it or, or risk of dying of boredom right. from the lack of surf you get during the summer when the um, storm tracks move north so there's a there's a window of opportunity yeah the window, window of opportunity is the cold lonely winter months basically huh. <laughs> okay. so, so we've got an, a bit of unseasonable pulse of surf which is why i'm excited now we'll get into Wade's footwear shortly but this leads me on to another question how did you rate the remake of point break um i actually worked on sort of tangentially parts of it no terrible oh. it was absolutely awful awful because in a previous guise we ran a we ran a company which uh did surf forecasting so we were a little bit involved in the production that is nuts that is great well look i remember seeing the remake at the cinema and right. thinking at the time whilst I was watching it, I was watching the original, but I don't remember being bored. But here's my uh, way of gauging whether a film's any good or not, if I've ever thought about it twice since. Now, I've right. never thought yeah. about the remake of Point Break until I bring it up with you. But the, fir- the, the original, I mean, I've got to think about that film. I quote that film religiously, like at least every other week. So, oh, The original one, I mean, it's a Bible to all surfers live by, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> the second one terrible and you know they committed a horrible crime with a very beautiful 
famous wave in Tahiti called Chopu, mm. in which they kind of CGI'd it out of all recognition when you just don't need to because it's already the most beautiful and kind of dangerous wave. So that was the the point. I think that the whole surf community looked at it and sort of shrugged and walked away. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Well, what about the original then? So the ending of the original that we're not going to, well, I suppose we'll spoil for people. But I mean, that wave is huge, right? I mean, where was that filmed? That was filmed, I think it was filmed in Australia. But that looked real as heck. I mean, not like the uh, the die another day surfing scene that you'll see in the pre-titles, but the, the surfing scene where Swayze collapses in the wave fold right at the end of the original yeah, point yeah, break. That, that looks like a real me. stunt to me. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, a very, it's a very genuine, very genuine um, stunt. I don't actually know where that wave was filmed. Okay. I guess... It's probably most likely to have been Waimea in Hawaii, and it was meant to be fil- the location, wasn't it? The location was meant to be Australia, mm. and it was meant to be the Hundred Year Storm. But they would have probably filmed that wave in Hawaii. And I almost tempted to Google it whilst I'm talking to you <laughs> to you see whether it's true or not. I'm almost tempted to watch it whilst talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I figure I will do the minute that we hang up. Listen, Edward, cool. talk to me about Waze Footwear and, and give us an insight into how you got it started and your journey leading up to it, please. Well, the, the whole surfing, being a surfer and being extremely keen on sort of the preservations of oceans and being sort of firsthand and seeing the level of plastic pollution that there is around the world. Like surfers are kind of like a bellwether into that because you're in the furthest reaches of you know Indonesia or somewhere and you think it's going to be beautiful and wonderful and really actually you're knee deep in, in plastic trash. So... Damien is a cobbler by trade and I'm a kind of materials expert and we both love shoes and design and yeah we got together and we decided to build this this product and given our previous experiences working for sort of larger companies and larger corporations that really just didn't give a flying um can I, I'm allowed to swear on this? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I these soulless corporations that just want to make a product which sells, has great margin, and has no care for the environment whatsoever. We decided with the with ways that we would make a zero compromise product, and that product just had to be plastic free. So we sort of started from that point and then worked out how we could possibly engineer it. Damien had been talking to me for years about this um, kind of ancient way of making shoe soles, sort of based in sort of 1940s French um, artisan technology. And this is this this um, lactate heavier sole that we use. And that's the, yeah, the basis of, of the shoe. Without that sole, we wouldn't have been able to go build up from it basically and then invent a couple of plastic free techniques and a couple of like a way of making an insole plastic free and various other things from the thread and glues that we've created right so we started off with a kind of 90 percent plastic free product when we were sort of in the sort of iterative stages of design and then we sort of got it to like a 90 nine percent plastic free product and i think that's what i wrote an original business plan on was a 99 percent free plastic free product and then we managed to solve that final bit of the thread with some great help with our with um our sort of partners in portugal wow and that's it that was the the purely plastic free product was was born and real 
I mean, you've had the idea, the germ of the idea kind of bubbling away for a while. And then I guess it's yeah. a case of, right, now we kind of know the ingredients that we're going to need to make the shoe. But then who is going to make it? I mean, do you then go to production plants and, uh, you know, shoemakers, cobblers, etc.? And do they then have to reinvent the wheel their end to get this off the ground? So Damien's been making shoes for his whole life. And he, you know, he, he was he was making his own trainers with his, with his bare hands and sort of your sort of traditional cobbling tools back as soon as he can walk pretty much so they and he's worked for every single large shoe brand so the opening of the doors wasn't wasn't a problem in terms of going and finding the factories um and yeah that we just had to find the right one the right partner basically right and what was that one percent i'm curious so something was hanging on in there that you couldn't quite squirm out thread the thread thread ah. because all shoes even the most eco shoes or your sort of um you know things that look outwardly look like they're kind of made from braided jute or something they are held together with the industry standard thread which passes easily through the production machines and is coated in polyester basically so that was it and so we had to build a thread which was as strong and would go through the factory wear tests mm. but then would also pass easily through the machines themselves because they've imagine a plastic a plasticized thread is quite smooth yeah and so to move fast at high revolutions through the factory machines was actually quite challenging yeah and uh, that was an engineering feat to solve which we which we did <laughs> but it's our last the last one amazing then once you have like kind of the product and the ingredients do you then figure out design aesthetics the cosmetics of it how does that work the process between the two of you to get it looking like the way it does uh, and a third guy there's a third guy called jay who does who, who's stand out and helping us with the design process mm-hmm. um we had a good idea of shoes in mind damien's obviously been making shoes for forever but also it was a, a real case of allowing um the function to inform the design because if you imagine the sort of standard way you make any shoe at the moment is you design them design a last and you you support it with basically ping pong like plastic ping pong but so you can mm. kind of do anything you want because plastic is actually a really brilliant material for making shoes it's cheap and it's flexible and allows you to do all sorts of like funky things it's just a shame it's so bad and persistent <laughs> in our ecosystem afterwards mm. so yeah so yeah so it is and again our second round of shoes that we've got coming out in august are even going further down that line in terms of the function the design is informed by the function and then obviously it's up to us to make it look beautiful which we i think we have yeah no congratulations mate i think you've got a really good product on your hand it's that it's that kind of look of a trainer that i like the minimalist sleek looking again not logo heavy but also once you know um how the fudge is packed so to speak that it's eco-friendly as well it's a it's a cherry on top and that and that is the the, the question is like getting that across to people at the moment and that's definitely our sort of challenge because there's so many shoes out there mm. which are using the eco label and this isn't to talk people down but a lot of it is just smoke and mirrors really in the marketing because it's very easy to say eco sustainable vegan mm. and those are generally all sort of 
um, ways of not saying plastic. And what are they really saying then when they're having like these products and they're putting their eco on? Is it like 20% eco, 30% vegan? Are they kind of just giving it a nice little logo to sit pretty but pulling their punches at the same time? Yeah, I think it's just, well, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's not something that I really want to talk down in terms of people trying to do good because there's so much bad that's done. Sure. Much, much worse bad. Much worse bad? God, terrible English. Much worse thing. <laughs> worse bad. Worse hyphen bad. <laughs> yeah, worse, worse. No, awful, awful. I mean, there's 24 billion pairs of shoes made every single year. Most of those shoes are made in factories with quite like deplorable conditions by extremely well-known high-end brands that are exploiting people of colour. And they don't care about eco. They might make one little eco thing or whatever, but they fundamentally are just like morally moral vacuums. Mm. And so the guys who are trying to do eco shoes, you know, brilliant, well done. Let's mm. all make more eco shoes. That's great. But yeah, I, 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 there are mentioned no names certain brands that particularly ones that claim transparency but they will only market the good side of the product so they'll say we are eco with wild rubber but right. the wild rubber will only be 20 percent of the soul okay and so if you're claiming to be transparent you should really say these souls are plastic yeah that's that's the 80 <laughs> percent yeah See, I saw on the website that you're alive. Well, you had a Kickstarter campaign. Was that how the brand got started initially? Yeah. Well, that was only. I mean, we're only we're only a really new brand. We've only just sort of gone past our first birthday in terms of talking about the shoe, and we only delivered our first shoes to people in February. Oh wow! After the Kickstarter, mm. which so yeah, the Kickstarter went really well. I think Kickstarter was a really great medium for for doing shoe launches mm. and i think it got, kind of got a bit exhausted so i think we were i think we were pretty much the last people off the <laughs> kickstarter shoe production line right and i haven't seen a good one come since then which has made me feel a bit better okay. about our our sort of our, our progress through it but yeah it was it was great it was a brilliant process and yeah it's a really good medium for sort of getting yourself out there and getting yourself known and people can it's quite um humbling i suppose if people are willing to invest sort of over a hundred quid in a shoe of a company they've people they've never met and a company which is just promising to deliver it right and uh, yeah they did in their hundreds which was lovely which is great i mean like i i can talk from someone that's had a thousand odd kickstarter campaigns that have never got off the ground oh have you really <laughs> yeah i mean uh, some of them are a bit kind of out there okay give us what was what's the one you thought was going to do the best <sighs> one you had the most 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 riding on well look I'm, I'm a huge james bond fan and i was hoping that if i could get a kickstarter campaign going i could get david arnold to score the for your eyes only soundtrack Bill Conti did for your eyes only, and it's not a bad score, but I do feel like it could be improved upon. And David Arnold at the time was just smashing it out of the park with his scores for for the Brosnan years. So I thought, look, come on, if we can just get a million quid in the bank here, we can just shove it over to David Arnold, and we'll get not only a great Bond film but a great score with it. And that, I think they got quickly shut down, uh, copyright issues and and whatnot. Maybe maybe David Arnold reported it. Who knows? But. <laughs> Oh wow, that is an, that is an ambitious Kickstarter. I love so it. Did you have to go? Did you do a video and a and a separate campaign and and a lot of time was invested in this? I guess. 
Yeah, it was, and we did it all. We did it all quite quickly because we were sort of desperate to get it over the line because we wanted to be that you know because if you're, if you're going to put your your flag in the sand and say you're the first as soon as you start talking about it with anyone you know someone else could come along and claim they're the first and um even though you know it's not it doesn't really matter whether you're the first as long as you're doing the right thing mm. it, yeah it was kind of important to the, the sort of process we were on so yeah we we i we frankly we rushed it out and i would have done it with hindsight i would have done it a lot We've done it quite differently. And the campaign, yeah, the campaign, the video, the campaign, the creative, everything would have done it completely differently. Mm. You're, I mean, you're filmmakers as well as you know entrepreneurs, app developers, trainers, makers. So, I, I guess you have a hand in everything creative with the process. Yeah, yeah, For, yeah. We are the process. Yeah, and it's a very. It looks like a very honest journey you are surfers as well so you are spending time in the ocean and you're sick of rolling up on the beach and you know finding pantalids in your toes etc it's it does seem like a brand that comes from a place of honesty and i think that's probably why people have latched onto it I, well thanks you're yeah welcome. hopefully do you know what it's microplastics as well though that's like it's the insidious tiny tiny microplastics you just don't see which are like in everything in the air we're breathing they're you know they're falling at a rate of like 120 pieces per meter per day mm. that's the stuff you find Ooh. in like facial scrubs right and uh, no, it's, it's just no it's the tiny amounts of abraded plastics from shoe soles 109 grams per person per year mm. from car tires paint mm. So it's all the tiniest, it's the microscopic, almost microscopic particles of plastic, which are clogging up our entire ecosystem. Mm. And they are in our bodies and they're doing unknown things to our bodies. There's a lot of science on it, a lot of scientists at the moment who are trying to work out whether the effects of having all these particles in our body is benign or whether they are, as some suspect, attracting to pollutants and I've even got a friend who is a scientist who's writing a book at the moment and she's pretty convinced that one of the the part part of the reason for people being obese is the pollutants in their bodies and part of that story is again um microplastics yeah because it it changes your microbiome and i i'm not an expert in it and i'm not you know i sound a bit conspiracy nut talking about all that sort of stuff but it's there's a great unknown at the moment around plastics and ingesting them as we do, like a, a credit card of plastic every year or something that we eat. <laughs> it sounds so nuts when you. When it you is crazy, it and but it it has to have an effect. Uh, I mean, it would be amazing if someone if someone came out with the science that said, "Yep, the plastic has absolutely no effect on our bodies. The amount of plastic around us has absolutely no repercussions on the way that you live your life." I mean, we already know. That you know, places like China are kind of take are refusing to take our waste now. I think Portugal were in the news last week saying that our landfills are, are filled up, so you and France can sort out your own trash. And we're like, well, we've only got another year left that we can put stuff on landfill. So what are we going to do about it? Well, um, burn, so, burn it. That's, that's that's literally what we do. Yeah. So, well, I think we're all kind of scraping around for answers. So it's great to see um, you know someone like you tackling it and coming up with something creative like this what are we looking down the line for with in terms of new releases and new collections is there anything that you have in store 
Yeah, so we've got two new shoes dropping in August. We're not really doing because other obviously the other major element to this whole process is recyclability and not fulfilling that sort of fast fashion loop mm. so we're not doing seasons we're trying to create like timeless shoes you'll always want to wear so we'll never you know be like here's our summer collection here's our mm. this collection here's our that collection it's just this is us but yeah we are going to make new and better shoes and the first new and better new and better versions slightly different versions are dropping in august and we're going to have a low which is kind of a bit a bit a bit chunkier a bit more kind of bit more sort of streetwear a high top probably as well we're sort of in the process of that at the moment mm. basically and vegan and leather versions of both there's quite a lot of challenges within the, the within the making of a plastic free vegan shoe because you know the way you get around all of the pattern cutting with um vegan leather is just plastic right so we are having to find <laughs> do all sorts of engineering bits and bobs with new materials to try and make a really interesting and beautiful vegan shoe, and which has no plastic in it. Remind me of the materials again. So just what the materials that are kind of in the good column with the tick, what are they? So the materials that we've got at the moment are really simple, in fact, the first one. So we've just got a mixture of um, cotton and hemp in the in the in in the in the vegan shoe in the hope mm. and then that's mixed up with natural rubber and some conif and a glue made from conifers which is kind of a glue that kind of has its sort of dates all the way back to kind of the egyptians really were the first people that started doing that mm. using 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 conifer as a glue and um then leather on the other side but a but a really beautiful thick chrome free um leather that doesn't have any plastic coatings or anything like that which is another reason why it's so expensive but right. you know, it's a wonderful material to work with and there can be there can be a bit of a conflict between creating an eco product but also choosing to use leather within that process and we do recognize that and that is i a problem for some people like some vegans won't buy from us because we also make a leather shoe right. our conversation around that is that frankly there's just no material out there at the moment which replaces leather in both of its sort of in terms of its function mm. and when that material does come we will swap and we are in process of talking to and working with lots of material manufacturers looking at that sort of stage two um plastic free leather but it just it's, the ones out at the moment they're just not there and right. it's 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 like buying the first electric car isn't it i totally get why some people would choose to use these um plastic these plastic based vegan leathers mm. because eventually we'll get to a non-plastic based vegan leather and we will all be happy with it mm. but it is yeah it is slightly redundant that we have such a huge plastic problem but yet people are so ardent that they don't want leather that they turn to plastic. And it's kind of, it becomes a bit secular in my mind. Like it's, it's not really solving anything, hopping from one to the other. Exactly. So the, and the, and the, the, the solution to that problem is definitely coming. Mm. But at the moment, where the leather is a waste product, there's a vast excess of leather out there, which if you get the right leather, it, it is eco and it is sustainable. Are we literally waiting for um, people to manufacture or kind of invent materials? 
Yeah, I mean there are there's loads of there's loads and loads of investment at the moment into that process in numerous ways. There's mushroom leather, and there's a good few other ones that we're sort of talking with that are doing that sort of next stage. And I think something around the sort of the mycelium-based leather will probably be the the future. And who invests in that? Is that government or is that private funding? Private individuals. I mean, you know, we're we're talking with companies with companies, say predominantly American companies. Mm. And yeah, huge, 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 huge investment that's going into it. Absolutely right. massive. Okay, interesting. Well, look, I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those meetings. It's like, what you got? Well, I've, <laughs> I found this the other day. I think if I confuse this with some pineapple leaves, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll boil it to a, an absurd temperature. Then guess what? <laughs> we found the oh, cure. Exactly. Well, listen, uh, Edward, thanks so much for taking time out. I recommend everyone go check out the website because the photos are as well. As the, as the products themselves are fantastic. Oh, Ways.co is a, a place, but we'll put all of the details on the show notes, uh, which you can find over at Menswear Style. Um, but yeah, certainly look out for the, for the shoes and the trainers that are already out there and the new collection dropping in a couple of months. Exactly. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Edward. I'll enjoy the surf. Yeah, will do. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Edward Templey there. Thanks, Edward. The website, ways.co, W-A-E-S.co. There you can check out all the sneakers. But we'll put all the show notes over on menswearstyle.co.uk. I forgot to tell you that if you want to be part of the show, if you want to tell us the story of your brand, you can do. Get in touch with us at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. In the meantime, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, if you're liking what you hear, go put up a review because I read them all and the ratings are up, man. We are killing it. I don't say so myself. So until next time, remember it's only fashion people and you're never fully dressed without a smile.